Hello, and welcome to the Central Garden Podcast. I am the Central Seductress, a.k.a. Olori. It's been a minute. I had to take a break. But I am so looking forward to this season of the Central Gardens Podcast. This season, I'll be doing more interviews, book recommendations, more real talk about BDSM, kink, poly, the whole community and lifestyle. More education information, more real talk from real people, even from myself and my point of views. Who knows, I might throw a little video in there. We're gonna get to the heart of some things like substance abuse, alcohol and drugs with kink, how they don't mix, red flags, and of course, those hard-to-have conversations that we all need to have. And we're also going to discuss something that I just, uh, it's my own made-up phrase, vanilla privilege. Yeah, I know, that's kind of interesting, right? <laughs> but that's that's my own made-up phrase because there is a difference in the vanilla relationship, the vanilla friendship versus that of the uh, BDSM or kink friendships. So yeah, I, I've coined the phrase vanilla privilege and I'll get into that in an episode. Don't know when, but I'm going to get to it. But for today's episode, I wanted to talk to you all about my journey. Not my journey into kink or BDSM, but my journey this summer. Remember a while back I did an episode on uh, just a little PSA on taking care of yourself and your health? Well, y'all, it has been a truly interesting summer. So, I was diagnosed with PCOS in 2000 as polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's some sort of hormone imbalance. There's no cure. In 2017, I was diagnosed with diabetes, type 2, not insulin dependent, but I went on uh, metformin. When they tested my A1C, it was 11.9. I was 41, I want to say turning 42. That was an emotional motherfucking roller coaster. It sent me up and down, around and around, loop de loop. You name it, I went through it. It was very emotional. I think I cried almost every day for a year. No lie. In I want to say 2015, I had what's called an ablation surgery. And that is where they kind of burned off some of my, I want to say it was my uterus or my fallopian tubes or something. But it was supposed to lighten my uh, cycle because my cycle had gotten really, really bad. 99% of the time when people have the ablation surgery, the cycle stops. Well, my body always does the complete opposite of what's supposed to happen. So my cycle didn't stop. It slowed down, but my cramps got worse. In 2020, I was rushed to the emergency room because I could not 
poop. I know that's probably too much information for some of y'all. But I've been dealing with a hernia. I had it removed or fixed in 2007. But apparently it came back. And so I was rushed to the emergency room. They did ultrasound, they did CAT scan, all that good stuff. Only to tell me that I was impacted. Of course, they sent me home with nothing, not even a prescription. So, being who I am, y'all, I ordered suppositories and enemas and Miralax and went to my regular doctor who prescribed me Lenzettes, all that good stuff. Well, I didn't know when I made my appointment to see the gynecologist for my annual exam that I had fibroids. Fibroids are very, very common among black women. My mom had fibroids. Hers were bad. She had to have two blood transfusions because her blood was not uh, coming back. It would just deplete during her cycle. So when I found that out, I started pushing for a hysterectomy. Now, mind you, my tubes have been tie clipped and burned since October of 2000. I may have been the last of that generation where they were actually tying them, clipping them, and burning them. Because to my knowledge now, all they're doing is tying them. But even before the fibroids, I would go to my doctor and ask them, could I get a hysterectomy? I was always told, no, it's not time. No, it's not time. And these were a lot of male doctors. And I'm like, you don't have a fucking uterus? How are you going to tell me it's not time? My tubes are tied, clipped, and burned. I'm not trying to have any more children. I'm getting older. The cycle is an inconvenience, not just because of the sex life, but it was an inconvenience because... I was doing sporadic spotting. I could leave out of my house and everything would be fine. And by the time I get to my destination, my clothes are ruined. And it's not a cycle. It's just sporadic spotting. I remember what made me go get the ablation surgery is I got my cycle, which was lasting five days. At, the t at that time and within three days I had used a package of always overnights and a box of super plus tampons because I was wearing a tampon and an overnight pad at the same time I know I know I know y'all probably saying what the hell this is too much information I'm getting to know her too much but there's a point I'm sharing my story because this has been a hell of a ride. It's been some ups and downs, twists and turns, like I said, loop-de-loops and some more. But I'm hoping that by sharing what I've gone through would motivate more women to start having the conversations with your doctors. If you talking to your doctor and within 10, 20 minutes... Or two minutes, they're turning you off and it feels like they're not listening to you. Find another doctor. I don't know what it is with these doctors and women, especially black women. But they want to brush our concerns under the rug a lot of the times. And tell us, no, not now. Oh, you're too young. You're this. You're that. It's not time. Fuck that they do not live inside of these bodies that we have. And I got turned down and told no so many times that I was pissed. So I ended up finding another doctor um, at the end of last year. I found an all-female uh, gynecology group down where I live and I explained to them what was going on they made me a referral to another doctor to a women's clinic now this is the messed up part about it that women's clinic is two hours away from me y'all I don't drive anymore because my vision has gotten bad 
I said, okay. My appointment was set for February. I talked to my regular doctor about my hernia. She sent me to a gastro doctor. He did a colonoscopy on me. Colonoscopies are not done on people who are under 50 unless there's a trace of or a history of colon cancer and stuff like that. I went to three gastro doctors, y'all, and all of them told me they could not see a hernia. I considered weight loss surgery. I went and met with the doctor for the consultation. I sat down in a chair and when I stood up, he said, I see your hernia right there. Now, how the hell do three gastro doctors, this is what y'all work on, the intestines and the stomach. Y'all don't see the hernia, but the weight loss doctor saw it and I was fully clothed on no machines or nothing, but he saw it. Really? You've got to fucking be kidding me. But this is the runaround that we get in the medical community. But I'm here to tell you, persistence, staying firm, and trying not to lose your shit is the key. I know insurance, 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 insurance. Yep, insurance is a big old mess. And I have three insurances. And it's a big old mess. Still. So I made the appointment and I was going to use the transportation through my insurance. I called, set the appointment. I called the day before to confirm the appointment. Do y'all know the day of no one came to pick me up? And I was told that I canceled my appointment. Well, who did I talk to? Well, they said they called you, but who did I speak to? Because nobody called me. These people couldn't give me a name, a supervisor, or anything. Straight bullshit. Thankfully, my little sister was off work. And she took me. We drove two hours. For me to see the doctor. She did my exam. I had a pap smear. She did a pelvic exam. I had a vaginal ultrasound. All this was in February of this year. She saw my hernia. My cervix is was small. And it was sitting somewhere I don't think it was supposed to be. Because it was tilted and pointed downward. But it was sitting somewhere else. And she tried to pull my cervix forward. Hurt like fucking hell. But when I left out of there. Because she did my blood work and everything. I had a referral. For a hysterectomy. I just needed to get a doctor to sign off on it. So I made an appointment. These people told me, we can do your lab work, but it'll cost you $250 for us to sign off for you to have this surgery. Excuse me? No, we're not going to be able to do that. So I kept shopping around. And ironically, the West Clinic, which I'm quite sure a lot of y'all probably know what West Cancer Center is. They took my insurance. And I went there. I found me a primary doctor and everything. I spoke to the actual surgeon. My primary doctor signed off on it. I had to have a chest x-ray. It came back, not a chest x-ray, EKG. It came back great. Blood pressure was great. Everything. My surgery date was scheduled for May 23rd, 2022. When I tell y'all I was excited because the pain of my cycles had gotten so bad, I couldn't go to work. I was calling off work because I was trapped in my bed. I couldn't walk. People thought I was joking. That pain was like no other. 
childbirth was easier than fibroid pain. And for y'all that done had kids, y'all know that's got to be some for real pain because contractions ain't no joke. I did the countdown for my surgery. Y'all just don't know how excited I was. I did the countdown. In the midst of all of that, I had uh, been changing my diet and all of that. Because, oh yeah, I have reflux too. Yeah, I know, I sound like a whole walking medical experiment. But it's okay. I checked into the hospital that morning. I had surgery. When I woke up, y'all, my stomach looked like a railroad track. <laughs> it was supposed to be laparoscopic surgery. And they were going to repair the hernia as well. But when they got inside, everything was larger than what it was supposed to be. So I had to do a little Googling. Because I got my uterus measurements in February. The average size of a uterus is supposed to be like between 2 and 4 inches. Mine was 10 plus inches. Now some people say that's due to childbirth and all of that good stuff, but I don't know. So I slept after the surgery and the next day when I was somewhat lucid, they came in and they told me what all they did. I ended up having a partial hysterectomy and they removed my uterus, my cervix, fallopian tubes, my left ovary was attached to my uterus and I had some cysts. They removed all that. So the only thing that I have is a right ovary. He could have took that shit too. I don't need it. But he left it because he said he did not want me to go into menopause uh, real early. Didn't bother me. I'm 47. What else do I have to do? Nothing. <laughs> but it's okay. So I had the surgery. Uh, they did the hernia repair. I was told whatever the surgeon used in 2007, it was hard and they had to cut all of that out of me. That was another reason that I was cut straight down my stomach from right above my belly button all the way to the very bottom of my stomach. Mind y'all, I was walking around looking like I was about seven or eight months pregnant. And I've been walking around like that for some years. When I had that first hernia, hernia surgery, I went from a size 18 to a 14 just out, off of having that first surgery. So y'all know I was excited. I'm about to get this weight off of me. All that. And they were going to remove some of the fatty tissue out of my stomach because I had a lot of fatty tissue. It was real thick. So they was going to skim that down. So it was kind of like having weight loss surgery without having weight loss surgery. So, yeah. I stayed in the hospital about four days because you have to be able to pass gas before you can get out of the hospital. Well, I couldn't. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Too much information. But trust me. Keep listening. Came home. Uh... Moving slow, couldn't lift anything, couldn't do any housework. I have a townhouse, so I had to limit my time on the stairs. So it was one of those, if I'm upstairs, I'm upstairs. If I go downstairs, I'm downstairs. And that's how I lived. I couldn't work. Y'all, I thought I was going to be able to uh, bounce back because a lot of people was like, oh, I had my hysterectomy and I was back at work in two or three days and I was this, I was that. Well, thankfully, I had the surgery the day before. Well, not so much. Yeah, the day before, uh, work was to be over for the summer. So that was good. The problem was now I got to find some extra income to sustain me during the summer. <laughs> so anyway, I go back for my post-op appointment. To get my staples out when i went the first time the staples couldn't come out they left them in for another week 
and then they took them out. And we're going to take a pause for the calls, and I'll be right back to give y'all the other part of the story. Alrighty. I am back. Yes, the Central Seductress, a.k.a. Allure. Let's continue this story. I promise you it has a point. I promise you it has a point. So during the recovery time, y'all know that I am a switch in the BDSM community. During the recovery time, of course, I cannot participate in any type of impact play. So like I said, they took the staples out. I had purchased tickets to two concerts. One was a blues show and the other one was Maze and the Isley Brothers. Y'all know I was excited. <laughs> I got permission from my doctors to go. Just make sure that I didn't dance too much and all of that. So the blues concert is outside. It was Father's Day. Y'all, we done did the painting sip at the blues show. We having a few drinks and sitting there just chilling. I get up and walk to the bathroom and I'm I had my hand on my stomach. And I pulled my hand back, y'all, and my hand is red. And I'm like, did I waste paint on me? And then I look at my dress and I'm like, wait. My best friend was like, you sure your uh, wound not leaking? I go to the mirror and lift my dress up and oh my God, y'all, my stomach was full of blood. I had brought a change of clothes, so I go get the change of clothes. Now, this is the part that tripped me out. I am in the woman's bathroom with a bunch of women and apparently the blood was drop dripping on the, on the floor. Everybody in this bathroom done got a period at one time or another. Do y'all know they were still like, ooh, ooh, and these grown women. And I'm like, what the fuck? And after I went and got my change of clothes, I heard somebody say, ooh, she started her period. I said, no, I just had surgery. My wound is leaking from my stomach. So I changed clothes, wiped my stomach off real good. I leave the show early. I am calling the doctor because I, my mind says, hey, go to the emergency room. Call the doctor. He was like, no, don't go to the emergency room. Come see me first thing in the morning. Just make sure, put some gauze on it, clean it, and the blood bleeding and stuff is going to stop. This normally happens after surgery. Okay. So I go see him. And he says that I had uh, an infection in between my skin and my stomach. Some fluid had gotten trapped right there. So they ordered a wound vac. Y'all, I don't know what a wound vac is. Well, I didn't know what a wound vac was. I didn't. He ordered the wound back. I'm thinking that, okay, this is Friday, whoever and whatever this thing is, and a nurse is going to come out Monday. Uh-uh. Y'all, it took till a week after the 4th of July for me to get a nurse and a wound back. In between that, I have some nurse friends and one of them would come to my house in the morning before she goes to work. And she would do what they call a wet to dry. She would pack my wound with gauze and cover it up. So I'm spending money on gauze. Uh, the doctor giving me some wound cleaner, thankfully. Tape, abdominal bandages, all this good stuff. So I get a big old box. Like, what the hell is this? I open the box. Oh, okay, these are wound vac supplies. Because I read the packaging slip. So I called my doctor. I was like, hey, I got the supplies, but I don't know what to do with this. And he was like, well, a nurse is supposed to come out there this, then, the third. Because they were telling them that they didn't have any nurses to, to do home care in my area. 
Well, that's a lie. Because every nurse that I have had come out here to see me lives in my area. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So the RN comes out, hooks me to the vac. She explains it. And y'all, I lost it because I was like, wait. You mean to tell me this thing has to be hooked to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week? What the hell? And what it was is because the wound was not closing on the inside, they needed the vac to suck out all the fluid and infection so that the wound could start to close. Okay, so now I got a purse. Second purse. Never mind my real purse, but this is a second purse. So, I know, I know, I know. Just please keep keep listening. Please. I'm trying to encourage somebody. I'm trying to help somebody. And this is also therapy for me. Because it was at my nurse's discretion. Or at her advice. For me to share this story with you all. In hopes that it may help someone. So, bear with me. I promise not to cry. <laughs> I promise not to cry. So, I had the vac on. Uh, oh, yeah, and I had went to the other concert. Uh, at that concert, I put on some shorts and a cute top. My stomach was covered. It was packed. I made sure to have uh, extra galls in my purse just in case. I didn't do too much dancing, just kind of sitting in my seat. Well, I did a little slow dancing with the uh, gentleman that went to the show with me. And uh, he was also there at the hospital with me when I had the surgery. He uh, was there when I went in and he was there when I came out. That was his thing. He said he wanted to be the first person that I that I see when I came out. And he wanted to be the last person that I saw when I went in. He and my uh, my daughter were there. Well, my oldest daughter. But anyway, okay, that's the romance of it. Moving along. <laughs> so I have this wound back. Uh, I had started a part-time job that was work for home, from home. We're not going to say that the wound back didn't give me any issues because, oh my God, did it. It was beeping, talking about there was a leak. It was beeping, talking about there was blockage. I'm panicking because I don't know what the hell to do. So I'm calling the nurse line and they having to send somebody out here. And it it, it was just awful. <laughs> it was it was awful. Uh, I finally got a steady nurse. So it was just one person coming out here to take care of me on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, we had a good thing going. And my skin is so sensitive that I have started developing blisters and bad skin irritation from the tape. My, my skin does not handle tape well. Not cloth tape, not regular medicine tape. It just does not, mm -mm, don't handle tape well. So... I started hurting on my left side. I didn't think it was anything except, you know, the wound is closing, the wound is closing, the wound is closing. But in my right growing area, I noticed a knot. And the nurse had to come out here one night. It was like one in the morning because the machine was acting crazy. And I asked her about it and she was like, oh, it just seems like it's a muscle that you haven't been using for a while. I said, okay. So I tried to massage it out with my wand. Yes, I used my wand on my thigh. And I uh, mentioned it to my regular nurse. She said, we're going to keep an eye on it. Then I noticed a knot in my stomach on the left side. And I told her about it. And she said, yeah, that is a knot. Well, on the left side of my stomach, y'all, it started getting red. Now, my nurse and I, we're both thinking the same thing, that it's a uh, reaction from the tape. 
I was scheduled to go to a conference on August the 5th. I got off work early. My nurse made it here with me. I was hurting so bad and the tape was irritating me so bad. Or so I thought the tape was irritating me that she was like, I'm around the corner. If you can take the tape off before I get there, take it on off. I came in the house. I didn't even make it upstairs. I took the tape off my stomach. When I tell y'all I didn't have a problem taking it off. And when I took it off, it was so full of fluid. I hadn't even looked in the container on the vac part, the machine part of the vac, to see what was going on. Because there's a clear canister on the on a wound vac that collects the fluid. And all this time that I've had this vac, this thing has never been full. It had never even been halfway full. So when my nurse came, I'm stretched out on the couch. She's cleaning my stomach and doing what she does and all of that. I am hurting to the point that I am almost in tears. But again, I'm thinking it's just my skin is irritated. The wound is cleaning or closing and all of that. Because it has started tunneling, which to my understanding, instead of it closing straight, it has started doing like a winding road thing. So it was like closing in some spots and probably still open in some spots, but it wasn't closing straight like it's supposed to. So she patched me up. She's getting ready to leave. Something kept telling her to keep looking at my wound because she kept asking me to stand up, sit down, raise my dress back up so she could look, raise my dress back up, lay back down on the couch. She finally touched my stomach again. She said, when you get to your destination, if this pain gets any worse, go to the emergency room. I said, okay. She's walking out the door. The machine start beeping. She comes back. She said, your stomach is hot. You need to go to the emergency room. She said, this is a little warm. I don't like this. I said, I need to go now. She said, yes, you need to go now. I said, okay. I called my best friend. Can you come pick me up and take me to the emergency room? Y'all, I went to the emergency room. They triaged me. Before I left out of triage, y'all, I had a whole IV bag connected to me. When they put me in a room, I got the CT scan. I got the one with the dye. The doctor came back in there about 9 o'clock. I got to the emergency room. It's like 3 o'clock and 3.30 in the afternoon. And I was talking to him, him on the phone. Not my doctor, but him. I was talking to him on the phone, telling him what was going on. Best friend asked, did I need her to stay with me? I told her, now I'll go on home and relax and stuff because she had just gotten off work as well. I called my sis that I was riding to the convention with to let her know I was in the emergency room. Don't worry about it. I'll keep you posted. Other sis called me because she was on her way to the convention. And she called me to ask a question. I was telling her I was headed to the emergency room. I'll keep you posted. Doctor came in and said, who is your surgeon? I told her, she said, I don't think they have privileges at this hospital. I said, okay. She said, you have cellulitis. I said, uh, okay. And she said, you have some boils. I said, well, I get boils under my arm and stuff. Yeah, I've been getting them since I was little. She said, no, in your stomach. I said, huh? She said, yeah, in your stomach. I was like, uh, oh. She said, I can't let you go home like this. I said, so you all are admitting me. She said, yeah, I'm about to talk to the surgeon. I said, wait, surgeon. Now, I know I left this part out earlier, y'all, but I suffer anxiety. And my brain doesn't process like everybody else's. You tell me something, especially if it's something bad, my brain goes to the worst extreme. So surgery, I'm like, what the hell? What happened? So... This is all Friday, August the 5th. They started me on antibiotics. This antibiotic that they was giving me, I think it's called vacamycin. Apparently, I'm allergic to it because it started swelling up my mouth. So they had to give me Benadryl. Oh, yeah. And the first antibiotic that they gave me when I was at home with the small infection, they gave me menocycline. I'm allergic to that. It swelled up my mouth. So they gave me another antibiotic, which was cool. All infection was gone, whatever. 
So, <laughs> I uh go to the hospital. And as a matter of fact, the day before, I'm sorry, that Thursday, I had a doctor's appointment with my surgeon. And I had my wound vac supplies with me. Do y'all know they didn't look at my wound? Because the girl said we don't do wound vac care in the office, huh? So I showed her the pictures of my stomach. Okay, back to the hospital. So they got me connected to this stuff. They done put me in a room. Uh, they finally brought me something to eat because sister girl was hungry. At 3 a.m., I was transferred to another hospital by ambulance. Okay. At 12, I think like 12, 15, 12, 30. That Saturday, I was headed to surgery. My little sister was there. When I came out of surgery... My little sister was there. And I think he was there. I don't know what type of infection I had at this time. All I know is they had to remove a lot of fatty tissue out of my stomach. The hernia mesh that was used was just floating around. It didn't adhere. And the infection was in my navel. So I no longer have a navel. I can't wait to see what my stomach going to look like when it heals. So the next day I found out that the infection was in my blood. Yes, I was septic. I also found out what type of infection I had. I had MRSA. That is a deadly infection. It is the worst infection you can get. People die from MRSA. People can be put in a coma from MRSA. Can be put on a vent. It is deadly. Doctor came in and said, you were very sick when you came in. Again, y'all, I had no idea because I just knew that I was just having bad reaction to the tape because that's what had been going on. Just bad reactions to the tape. So I had surgery, emergency surgery, August the 5th. I stayed in the hospital till that following Sunday. In that time, y'all, I'd never heard about kidney levels going up. My kidney levels had spiked from, I think they said they was 1.7 when I came in. They had spiked to 5.6. When they came and told me that, the first thing my mind said was dialysis. I told y'all my mind goes to the extreme. I had so many emotional breakdowns in that hospital. It's not funny. When they came to change the dressing on my stomach. Oh my God, the pain of it all. I held it together while the doctors were in there doing what they do, but it hurt like hell. And they had never came across anybody with skin as sensitive as mine. So they had to figure out how to pack my wound. Because when you have a wound back, there's a piece of foam that goes inside. And then there's a suction piece with a tube that hooks to the to the machine. They ended up using this film that they was able to sit inside the womb, then put the foam inside on top of that where it wouldn't stick to my skin. And it would just pull off. And then they had tracked the vac from my stomach to my groin. So I had foam in my groin and foam in my stomach. And I ain't talking about no little piece of foam, y'all. If you follow me on Facebook, I posted it. I have a picture diary of me from May 22nd until yesterday. When people tell you or y'all hear the phrase from your ass to your appetite, I was open that far in my stomach my stomach was sliced 
in half. I am so serious. Sliced in half. Y'all would not believe it if I posted a picture of what it looked like then and what it looks like now. Yep, I'm sitting here talking to y'all and I have a wound back still in my stomach. We have gone from, because they have to measure it once a week. When we got started, I don't know how wide my stomach was open. I just knew it was open wide. So much so that they had to use a one and a half pieces of foam when they started out. I don't have foam in my groin anymore. I'm using a, a, a gel and a foam bandage and just keeping the wound area clean and changing it every day. I let the nurse change it on Friday because she has to measure it, but I change it the rest of the time. My sister had to change, take my vac off of me a couple of weeks ago because the canister was full. And she had to do a wet to dry. Y'all, she videotaped it. I don't understand, but hey. My cousins and some friends of mine are obsessed with my stomach and the inside. So they've been keeping track of my progress. Every time the nurse comes out, when she takes the foam out of my stomach, I take a picture. Might sound gross to y'all. But it's therapy and healing for me because I know what I came from. I've had to see infectious disease since I've been out the hospital. I had to give myself antibiotics via a PIC line, which is the IV line. Once I came home, I had to do that for two weeks. I have been in my bed and on my couch for one month. One month and one and a half weeks, I want to say. I've had two doctor's appointments that I've gone outside for. My sister came and took me to Walmart because I needed to walk around to try to build up the strength in my legs. And she came and took me to lunch the other day. The only other time I get outside is... To go check the mail. I make myself walk to check the mail. It was once a week. Now it's every day. So that I can build up my strength. I am not working. I cannot work to the first of the year. I cannot lift anything. I cannot clean my house like I need to. But my house is not dirty. So let's get that together. Because I can't live in no filth. I bought those Reacher things that you see on the commercial with the older people using. I bought two of them. I keep one upstairs in my bedroom, and I keep one downstairs for when I'm downstairs. If I drop something on the floor, I grab my Reacher, and that's what I do. Because guess what, y'all? I cannot bend down. I cannot bend down. I cannot sit up for longer than 20 minutes at a time because it hurts like hell. My wound is 13, mm, Lord, as of yesterday, my wound is 3.6 centimeters deep, whereas last week, y'all, it was 11 plus centimeters deep. It is 5.2 centimeters wide, whereas a couple of weeks ago, it was like 13 centimeters wide. It is 15.6 centimeters long. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, it was 17 something long. I have come a long way. And when I think about what could have happened, my children could have been planning my funeral last month. My sisters could have been burying me, my grandchildren. When I think about all that, it is so overwhelming. It just does something to me. Before all of this, I didn't take anything for granted. 
after this, I damn sure don't take nothing for granted. I am so thankful and grateful to still be here. And I know y'all probably wondering, what the hell does got to do with kink and relationships and stuff like that? It has a lot to do with it. Because during this time, I couldn't have sex. I couldn't participate in BDSM activities. The one thing that I did do was introduce a couple to wax where I was able to just pour the wax on uh, this young lady and her husband came to see it. But as far as me participating in giving or receiving impact play, I could not. I did not go to the dungeon until they told me that I could and I only went because we were hosting a a BIPOC karaoke night so I went and had fun I took a break from the podcasting because I was so overwhelmed emotionally and mentally It takes a lot out of you when your body is not working properly. It takes a lot out of you when doctors are steady telling you no, 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 no. And they're giving you their reasons as to why they don't think X, Y, and Z should happen. It takes a lot out of you when you feel like you're being ignored. It takes a toll. It it takes a toll. I can now participate lightly Uh, if I need to, if I feel like I need some impact play, I can get the floggers on my back and my shoulders, but not my stomach. If I'm trying to have sex, any position except missionary. Because I cannot take the weight of anything on my stomach. I cannot lay on my stomach. I can lay on my side. I can lay on my back. And y'all, the more that it is healing and the closer it's getting to closing all the way, the more it hurts. I feel like I am at the beginning of the process all over again I am in pain they're giving me the lowest dosages of pain medicine because in order for me to get anything stronger I have to see a pain doctor never mind my stomach is completely open thankfully the infection did not reach my organs it just reached the stomach muscle when I started this journey I was 250 pounds I am 224 now. He tells me that I'm shrinking or that I have shrunk. And I think that's so cute. (laughs) Of course, I don't see it because all I see is my stomach. That's all I see. I have people saying, you should sue, you should sue, you should sue, you should sue. I don't know if I should sue. I have no idea what to do, but I'm not going to make a hasty decision and do anything. They had to change my anxiety medicine because my mind has started racing again. So I'm on a new medicine. But again, there's good news in this. I have been off my diabetic medicine since the week before the first surgery in May and my sugar has leveled off. My blood pressure medicine, I'm only on it for a month. And the only time that it acts up is if I'm in pain, upset, or my anxiety spikes. Otherwise, we're good. I've had two or three panic attacks since I've been home. Because they were not authorized to use the protective piece on my stomach. So the phone would get stuck and it was tearing my skin. And yeah, I was crying, hyperventilating, 
My nurse thought she had to call an ambulance for me one day. It was that bad. I say all that to say this. Whatever problems that you are experiencing medically, please, please don't stop until you get some for real answers. Not the answers that they think you want to hear, but the answers that you need so that you can get better. I got the hysterectomy because I knew that I couldn't deal with the fibroids any longer. I also wanted to have a better quality of life. I knew that the hysterectomy would possibly slow down the PCOS. I also knew that that would help with the diabetes. This had nothing to do with cosmetic anything. This was about me having a better quality of life. I'm trying to be here for a while. I got a lot to do. I'm not trying to cut my life short. As far as weight loss surgery or any other surgery, fuck that. Nope. Unless it's life or death, whatever is in this body is going to stay in this body. I've been recovering the whole summer. I got a second chance to live. I'm not wasting any time. I'm not wasting any energy. I'm not doing any of that. Yep, I'm still footloose, fancy free, and fun, and all of that. I still laugh and giggle and crack jokes and have petty moments, all of that. But when it comes to my health, I don't have time to play with these people. And I'm not going to play with myself. Not like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Always put you first. Always put you first. I started journaling at the beginning of this. I can't even write right now because when I start writing, it becomes overwhelming. I created a wish list on Amazon to help me uh, with some things. I got some arts and crafts stuff, some adult coloring books on there just to help my mind protein bars and stuff like that and who knew that by increasing your protein intake that helps with the healing process because when you're a diabetic it takes your body longer to heal but who knew that by increasing protein not that protein either you dirty minded people (laughs) so i started buying quest protein bars and stuff like that Drinking a lot of water, which I've always done. Staying away from the junk food. I'm trying to be good. Y'all know I'm a chip and popcorn and sunflower seed eating food. The struggle is real. (laughs) The struggle is real because I want some sunflower seeds right now. But I've been eating peanut butter crackers. I've been eating... uh, What is this stuff? Uh, Sugar-free... No extra sugar. Fruit cups. My fruit is in uh, water, not fruit juice, with no extra uh, sugar. I love a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich, so I have some Smucker's strawberry jam, no sugar, and some peach preserves with no sugar. I tried a vegan peanut butter. It was absolutely great. I can't think of the name of it, but it's got a green top on it, and it's not skippy. It's some other brand, but I can't think of the name of it. I love sweet tea, but guess what? I'm drinking my tea now with no sugar. Only thing that I have not broken away from, but I have slowed down tremendously, is my beloved (laughs) Coca-Cola. I love a Coke Zero, though. And I'm not drinking them every day, all day. I'm not drinking them every day, all day. I had to slow down on the orange juice because when my kidney levels were high, the kidney doctor or nephrologist said that I couldn't have orange juice and I couldn't have bananas because they didn't want my potassium to spike. So I went back to drinking cranberry juice, but of course I slowed that down too. Can't drink that every day, all day. 
I have acid reflux and I ain't got time for that. And cranberry juice may upset my sugar. I took my uh sugar yesterday after I ate breakfast. It was 120. I'm doing good, y'all. I'm doing good. And I'm going to continue to do well. I made the conscious decision yesterday to stick with the wound vac until I'm completely healed. It's going to close up the inside and then it's going to close up the outside. I was going to go to wet to dry. But wet to dry doesn't help you close. And wet to dry will make it six months longer that I can't get back to some sense of normalcy. There are a lot of things that I'm not supposed to be doing, but I have to do because I live alone. And my grandson is here during the week because he goes to school from my house. But I have to cook. Thankfully, I have a ninja, so I don't have to stand over the stove all day. And he's 10. I can stand in the, uh, sit in the living room or sit in the kitchen and coach him into how to do a, f a few things. I rarely use my stove. I use my ninja a lot. And my ninja has a, a pressure cooker, deep fryer, and a grill piece on it. So, hey, just about anything can go on there. But right now, I'm just taking it day by day. I have an amazing support system, family and friends. And I hope by sharing my story, my journey... I hope that I can help somebody. Maybe now I can get back to reading because I haven't read anything. I did finish one book during this whole time because I couldn't focus. I couldn't focus. So maybe I can finish my book. I am just, again, grateful and thankful to still be here. And I'm thankful for everybody who has thought about me, who has sent up prayers and positive energy, who's cheering for me in the background and I don't even know you. I'm so thankful for each of you. So with that being said, let's get ready for this next season of the Central Garden. The shop is still open. TheCentralGarden.com. Yes, you can still shop. By all means, please shop because I ain't working right now, y'all. <laughs> I need those coins. I need those coins. I need those coins. Uh, follow me on Facebook, The Central Seductress. On Instagram, The underscore Central underscore Garden. On TikTok, The Central Garden 69. I think that's the name. <laughs> YouTube, The Sensual Garden. I've been uploading some very nice information that a couple of people on Instagram have been so gracious to let me share. Uh, the Sub Guide and Slippery When Wet and Erotic Parties too. They've been posting some very good information. And so I've been making uh, slideshows and posting those for anybody. And a lot of it is uh, BDSM kink sex relationship styles all that so if you have a topic that you want to discuss if you would like to be a guest on my show if you have some ideas whatever it is drop me an email thecentralgarden at gmail.com spelled just like it is on the show if you would like to make a donation to me for the podcast or just something to say, hey, I'm thinking of you, you can send it to my cash app, Sensual Garden with the dollar sign in the front, spelled just like the podcast. Until next time, keep it kinky, keep it safe. Keep it sane, keep it con con consensual, 
And I can't wait to deep dive into some uh, good stuff with y'all. Ooh, tomorrow I'm supposed to be attending a virtual hypnotic, erotic hypnosis uh, seminar. I'm going to tell y'all about that. And hopefully I can get the person who does this to be a guest on my show. Because we're friends on Facebook and he's very knowledgeable. Alrighty. This is the Sensual Seductress, a.k.a. Alluring. I will talk to you all later. Much love.